Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hello everyone, great to be with you tonight. Happy New Year. I realise I'm a bit late in saying that, but I've been on holidays. <laughs> uh, last week was a week of calm for me, uh, camping up at Foster this week was focusing on anxiety, as we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, I just want to give you an update, though. Uh, something that's important to us here at SALT is growth. Uh, and you might have heard uh, last year at GROW, we are talking about space here at 275 and growth here at 275, particularly as it relates to t- our 10 a.m. gathering. Um, we're uh, hoping and praying towards our new home. Our new home is heaven, but a new home that's a a new building. Uh, And that'll be a few years away. Before then, we want to enable growth here at Salt, uh, and we're pushing the limits of of space at 10am. So I just want to make sure you're in the loop where we're up to with that, and encourage you to read Salt Weekly. Um, uh, So grab hold of your Salt Weekly, come and chat to me, or Facebook community pages, uh, there's two options basically for 10am to make two gatherings, uh, so it'll be a third gathering at Salt, a second morning one, uh, or there is an option to move off 10am off-site to a school. Uh, we're having some really encouraging chats with the Illawarra Grammar School, uh, so that's encouraging, it's, it's, it's moving quickly, uh, but it'd be great to pray for those conversations, pray for wisdom uh, for those in leadership, uh, we're in the middle of school holidays, so it's, you know, school teachers enter this great slumber in the middle of school holidays, so it's hard to have that conversation, but we're hoping to re-capture uh, that conversation this week, so do pray for that, please. I'm going to pray now, I'm going to pray for us again as we come to God's Word, so let's, let's pray. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you that you are a God who speaks uh, as we think about this topic of anxiety and calm tonight. Uh, You know us deeply, Uh, each one of us where we sit with this. uh, Help us to hear wisdom from you, uh, even through the weakness uh, of this speaker. Uh, Lord, uh, change us, challenge us, comfort us uh, where we need to hear it. Uh, Lord, we want to change, we want to please you, we want to get to know you. Uh, We pray that might happen tonight. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I'm sure you've heard this before. Uh, what's the age that we live in? It's the age, they're calling it the age of anxiety. Now, I don't know how you feel about that, but that, that, is, that is quite remarkable, isn't it? Of all the ages, uh, here we are, and we've, we've got a lot of wealth and a lot of prosperity. Uh, a lot of opportunity, and we're living in the age of anxiety. I looked at some stats this week from the ABS. Uh, it's pretty confronting. It says more than a third of women in our country will experience an anxiety condition in their lifetime. Uh, one in five men will also experience uh, an anxiety condition in their lifetime. Uh, a few figures. So last year's stat... Uh, 2023, 17% of our nation, adult population, had a 12-month anxiety disorder. Uh, That's up from 13% in 
in 2018, and that was up from 11% four years earlier in 2014. So you can see the way the graph's going. We really are becoming more anxious uh, as, as a community, as a society. There's lots of causes for that. But whatever we're doing, it's not working, right? We're becoming more anxious. Uh, and I, I'm just really conscious tonight, as, as I speak on this and we hear from God, there's a spectrum of people here, uh, which is to state the obvious, but as we think about anxiety, for some of you, that either is or has been incredibly crippling. Um, and, and many of us won't know how deep that's been or is for you, but that's how awful anxiety can be right down to, we all have anxiety, but nothing like that kind of anxiety. Uh, So there's a whole range of us here tonight. And uh, as we hear God's word, I I think it's important for us to hear, this is God's word to all of us. Uh, God's word is, is not therapy to some of us. It's not relevant to some and not to some. This is God's word to all of us, even if we're all in different situations. Now, I'm making the assumption tonight, uh, we all want calm, wherever we are, uh, on that spectrum. Uh, We'd all love to be even just a little bit less anxious, uh, and maybe a lot less anxious. Uh, And what we're doing tonight is, I won't unfold everything, I can't unfold everything the Bible says about anxiety, but particularly if you're new to Christian things, here's a framework to think about anxiety from God's Word. What does God say? And I want to convince you that it really is a better way to be calm. In fact, let me, let me divide it up for you. Three things tonight. God's way makes best sense of our anxiety. Uh, it is the best solution to our anxiety, second point. Uh, thirdly, it is the best way to cope with anxiety. Okay, so that's where we're heading tonight, those three things. Um, So let's get into it. First one, it makes best sense, God's way makes best sense of our anxiety. Um, I'm sure you've got these reflections yourself. You reflect on your anxiety, the experiences you've had. If you say to yourself, there's something awful about this, there's something not right about this, I wish this wasn't this way, the Bible says, yes, spot on. It was never meant to be this way. Uh, What was the world that God created? Right back, uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, the very first book of the Bible. We're going to jump around a lot tonight, so um, some of the verses will come up on the screen uh, and then we'll eventually get and land on Matthew 6. So you might want to leave Matthew 6 open. We will eventually get there. Uh, First book of the Bible talks about God making the world a beautiful and orderly world a world that works, a world that functions, a world that is fit for purpose. Here's, here's one quote from the first book of the Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 1. God saw all that he'd made, and what did he say? And it was very good. It was fitting, it worked, it was a beautiful, orderly world. Uh, what do we see in that first book of the Bible? We see the first couple, Adam and Eve, living in perfect harmony with one another, living in perfect harmony with God, uh, living in perfect harmony with the rest of creation, in charge of the creation, everything in its right place. 
Uh, in fact, there's a beautiful uh, expression in Genesis 1 and 2 that expresses how close God is at hand. He's walking in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Isn't that a beautiful picture? There is God in fellowship with his people. There is God's people uh, ruling rightly over the rest of creation. It's environmental, social, spiritual harmony. Uh, it's, it's a safe world. It's a non-anxious world. It's, it's a world of security. It's a world where there are no threats. And, and get this, if you can imagine this. I think it's hard for us to get this. It's a world where there's no sickness. And it's a, it's a world where there's no fear of death. I don't think we can imagine that. That's the world that God made. That's the good world that God made. But something happened to create the anxious world that we live in today. See what happened? Uh, Adam and Eve, rather than living in the safety and the security under God, they decide, we want to be God. I want to rule. And so God is rightly angry with, with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are angry with one another. The good order that's, that God created has been overturned. The relationship between humanity and God is fractured. The relationship between humanity and the creation is fractured. The relationship between men and women is fractured. God banishes them from the garden. God brings judgment on the whole world. And so what happens from there in Genesis chapter 3, everything still has the mark of beauty and order in it, but it's fractured. It's broken. It's cursed. Now have a look at this with me and you'll see, you'll see the, uh, in what way it's, it's broken, fractured and cursed. Now there'll be anxiety in everything. Have a look at it with me. Genesis chapter 3. Uh, I will make your pains, he says to the woman, in childbearing very severe. With painful labour you'll give birth to children. Now, most of you aren't thinking about this, but childbearing, uh, you could, you could um, translate child-rearing, raising a child will be incredibly painful. Giving birth to a child will be painful. Uh, so those two aspects. Uh, childbirth will be an anxious activity. It will be an anxious wait. What will happen here? Will the baby be okay? Will the mum be okay? That will be the anxiety of childbirth. Child raising will have many anxieties. Uh, so it's not just the moment of birth, it'll be throughout a lifetime. Uh, let, me, let me share with you as a parent, uh, remembering the, the day that my firstborn, Chloe, was born. Um, won't embarrass her too much. Um, Great joy, great excitement, great, a great party was happening. But shortly after that was that moment for me when I realised, wow, we have a responsibility. So much could go wrong here. Uh, I, I was filled with so much anxiety about the things that could go wrong in her life as life goes on. 
And I could, I could recount for you all the joys across her life and, and all my daughters. And I can also recall, recount for you all the anxieties. Uh, the, the first time she was in someone else's hands, <laughs> there's anxiety. Uh, the first time we gave her this particular food. Uh, the first time she had a sleepover. The first time she went in the water or in the surf. Uh, the first time she went on a camping trip, the first flight she took, the first allergic reaction she had. Um, when we were on camping last week at Foster, uh, we went up, Nat and I, for the first couple of days on our own, the girls came up. We're at that stage now where our girls drive themselves up to holidays. And the first couple of days of holidays, I'm enjoying it, but I'm an anxious dad. <laughs> I'm like, are they going to be okay? Do you know the way? It's embarrassing, right? But the roads are full, the roads are dangerous. I'm feeling old, but I worry for you. And she's turning 21 this year. There'll be anxiety in marriage. Have a look at this. Your desire, he says, uh, will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Uh, The wife will be anxious because her husband is not taking responsibility. That's what happened in Genesis 3. Uh, The husband will be anxious because his wife is going to fight for the reins of the relationship. Uh, The wife will be anxious again because he will treat her harshly. He will lead her poorly. There's anxiety in marriage. But there's, there's a broader one. There's an anxiety of even survival. Genesis 3, cursed is the ground, God says to Adam. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. See, even just surviving, getting food from the ground, working, is going to be an anxious activity. But worst of all, you're going to have the anxiety of death. Have a look at this. Until you return to the ground, let me read it all. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. See, for all your work and all your toil, all your achievements, staring at you is one day you will die. Literally, as you are farming the ground, realising you will one day be in the ground. That's an anxious world, isn't it? That's an anxious world. And it it goes on in in Genesis chapter 4. Cain kills Abel. There's murder. Lamech murders. And Lamech wants revenge. And you start to realise... This is not harmonious relationships together trying to navigate an anxious world. We're going to be at war with one another. We're not going to even trust one another because you are a threat to me and I distrust you now outside the garden. And so that produces an anxiety that was never intended to be. Does all of that sound familiar? That's the anxious world that we live in. What's changed from God's good order to life after Genesis 3, life to this day? 
Let me, let me give you four things. The world now is a dangerous place. Uh, it's fractured, trauma exists, distress exists, now death is on the table. We are anxious because it's a dangerous place. And this, this affects our biology. See, the curse, the fall, the fracture, it's not just part of God's world, it's every single part of God's world. It's right down to your very DNA, your biology. We will now experience anxiety because our bodies don't function the way they're intended to function. And some of us are going to be uh, worse off in that regard than others, but that is all part of living in a broken world. Uh, Thirdly, it'll affect our psychology. It'll affect the way we think. Uh, Now we won't always have helpful, truthful thoughts. We won't always make proper sense of our experiences. It's affected the way we think. But deeper than that, fourthly, we're now out of relationship with our Creator God. See, now we live, in a, we live in an anxious world. Our bodies are broken. Our, our minds are broken. Uh, we're at, there's anxiety with one another. And we're out of relationship with God. We're doing life on our own without the Creator. That is an anxious world. That is not the world that God originally created. But, no, but hear, hear it really clearly... What does that say? That says anxiety is real. Anxiety is real. It's not an illusion. It's not like Buddhism. Buddhism says, no, 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 what you're experiencing is just an illusion. It's just the way you're thinking about it. The more you stop caring, the more you stop engaging, the more you detach yourself from the physical world, the less anxiety you'll have, the calmer you'll be. The, mess you, the more you stop caring, the more you'll feel calm uh, and not feel hurt. Um, why, why do you grieve the loss of a friendship? Why is a broken relationship so painful? Why is losing that job just awful? It's because you loved it too much. That's what Buddhism says. Uh, it's, the Bible's not saying that at this point. No, no, no. Anxiety is real. It's part of this life. It's to be grappled with. And it's not Hinduism or, or karma. It's not God saying, I'm punishing you in a particular way with anxiety because you deserve it more than anyone else. No, no. This is part of something we will all experience to varying degrees, like all the fallenness and brokenness ever since Genesis chapter 3. And lastly, it's, it's, it's not an accident. Uh, it's, it's the way the world is because God has cursed the world. And some of us will be affected more than others. This is the fabric of the creation. This is the very d- DNA that we live in. And I reckon it's worth sitting with this Uh, this thought, anxiety is an inescapable part of the world in which we live. Anxiety is an inescapable part of the world in which we live. Um, There is a solution coming, but for now, frustration, distrust, anxiety 
are all part of life. Have a look at this verse from Romans uh, chapter 8. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. See, what does that say to you? All of the creation in all kinds of various ways is hurting, is groaning. One of those ways is we are anxious. And it's like the pains of childbirth. It happens, it's still happening, the birth hasn't happened yet, something great is about to happen, it's about to be transformed with great joy, there's a solution coming, but for now, there is groaning, there is anxiety, and we need to grapple with it. And so I wonder whether you've come to terms with that. Because here's some things I reckon it means for us. The first thing it means for us is, Don't live in a fantasy that someday your life will be anxious free. That you'll reach this perfect calm. Don't hold out for that day in this life because it won't happen. Uh, Second thing to say, I reckon, is it helps us with our expectations of calm. See, so deep, so pervading is the problem of anxiety that perhaps a better expectation, a more realistic goal, is not perfect calm, but how to be calmer. How to grapple with anxiety, or how to live and manage my anxiety, or as far as my health will allow me, how to take responsibility for my anxiety. I reckon too it says to us that anxiety is incredibly complex, yeah? Uh, It's not good enough to say, you're anxious, you need to get over it. You're anxious, you need to trust God more. No, 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 it's much more complicated than that, isn't it? It relates to the fallenness, the brokenness of the world, the dangerous world. It's, it's, It's out there. But it's also in me, my biology, my physiology. It's my psychology. And it's also that I'm out of step with my creator it's a relational problem with god as well the attitudes the decisions my thoughts towards god also contribute to my anxiety Uh, i'm sure you've asked this question but it's a really helpful question to ask why am i anxious Uh, and it, it can be a little bit revealing uh as i ask that question so often and I don't suffer from clinical anxiety, so you know, I'm not in that situation. There's lots of factors. It's, it is the world out there. It is the complexity of the world, the difficulty of the world. It is me and my responses. Uh, it is my thoughts that are not always helpful. And sometimes it's my sinfulness. It's my selfishness. There's a really helpful phrase I picked up this week that says, we're all both sufferers and sinners. Uh, Everyone is a sufferer from anxiety, but we're also sinners in our anxiety as well. That is, uh, we all suffer from anxiety. It's it's a biological condition outside of our control. Um, Some of us will suffer more, some of us will suffer less. Uh, and that's really helpful, isn't it? Because it's saying it's not a moral issue. It's, it's not that uh, uh, you've done something wrong or 
it's just the way God's wired you. Uh, it's the way things have fallen in the fall, if you could say that. Uh, let me say this. Some people have better eyesight. Some people have worse. Some people are more affected by anxiety. Some are less affected. It just alleviates a whole lot of guilt, doesn't it? Unnecessary guilt. Uh, but at the same time, we suffer anxiety because of sin, uh, because we're out of step with our Creator. There's, there's a, a part that we play uh, in our anxiety as well. But God doesn't leave us there. That's, that's where it starts, but that's, God doesn't leave us there. The second point is God has the best solution to anxiety and there's something massive that God does that radically changes the way you think about anxiety. Uh, how do we pick this up? Let, let's think about Jesus entering our world. Uh, so God in the person of Jesus, God in the flesh enters our world. What kind of world does God enter? He enters an anxious world, doesn't he? Uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, think about Jesus uh, coming into our world. Uh, you only need to read the biographies of Jesus' life, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And you realise Jesus enters a world that is fractured, that is broken, full of distrust, full of anxiety. Uh, and who is the person that brings calm? It's Jesus. Uh, can, you, can you think about that person in your life? Uh, some people cause us stress, don't they? Come, some people cause us anxiety... Some people are really unpleasant to be with. Some people make it harder to live and to work with or under. But there are other people who bring calm. And they, there's that feeling of safety and security. Uh, who is that, that, that person who you go, I just feel loved and supported? Think about Jesus in that way. Jesus on so much bigger a scale than you could ever imagine. Jesus is that person. Jesus is that person who turns up to an anxious world and says, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. I have this. Uh, it's Jesus in, in the biographies of his life that people go, I'm so glad you're here, Jesus. This is who we need. Uh, do you know, if you've read the Bible, it, so often Jesus says these words, don't be afraid, don't worry, uh, have peace, uh, come to me, I'll give you rest. I know that you're, you're weary and burdened. And he, and he says them not as commands. It's, it's a real shame if we take them as commands. He's not saying them as commands and then we still worry and we feel guilty. He's saying them as comforts. He wants to comfort us. Uh, let me, let me um, describe some of them for you. So, there's a part of the Bible where Jesus is in, in a boat with his disciples, with his best friends. Uh, they're in a ferocious storm. Jesus is in the, in the back of the boat. He's asleep. Uh, there's a picture of the creation deeply threatening. Uh, the disciples are fearful for their life. And what does Jesus do? Uh, he, he stills the storm and he says, do not be afraid. Trust me. I have this. I've got you. Trust me, I'm here. Uh, it's Jesus who calmed people's fears of evil 
of demons, of demonic forces. They listen to Jesus. Jesus dispels them. Jesus banishes them. It's Jesus who brings calm to people who are caught in sin. Uh, do you remember the, there was a woman caught in adultery? She's, she has the anxiety of shame. She has the, the fear of judgment, uh, if not from God, but from people. And what does Jesus say? I don't judge you. Go now and leave your sin. I'm here to bring mercy, compassion, love and forgiveness. And it's Jesus that calms people's fears over sickness and ultimately over death. Uh, There's the story of, of Jesus coming to the tomb of Lazarus who has died. It's that moment where Jesus knows that Lazarus has died, is in the tomb. It's that moment where Jesus weeps. He is deeply compassionate for our anxiety over death. People are panicking. His Lazarus' sister has come to Jesus and said, if only you were here earlier, uh, Lazarus would have lived. And Jesus says, don't worry, I am the resurrection and the life. I am here. Trust me. It's Jesus that feeds the 5,000. Jesus, who, when people are, where will we get the food from? We're anxious to, to, to eat. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. But it's, it's, it's that moment when Jesus says, I'm leaving you. And the disciples are anxious that their friend is going. Uh, there's that chapter, chapter 14 in John's Gospel. And Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. I am going to prepare a place for you. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to deal with death once and for all. I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to pay for the sins of the world so that you might be forgiven. I'm creating a new world where there'll be no more fear. There'll be no more anxiety. I'm building a new creation. Can you see how Jesus brings calm? Can you see how Jesus brings the solution to anxiety? Hebrews chapter 2 describes what Jesus does at the cross. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That's humanity. We're afraid to die. We have no solution to it. It's our greatest enemy. And Jesus grabs it by the throat and deals with it at the cross. Because he dies, he gives life to those who trust him. He gives eternal life. And he promises a new body and a new mind and a new creation, anxious free. Have a listen to this uh, picture of the new creation. So Revelation. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes, speaking about the new creation, heaven itself. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is a solution to anxiety. That is what Jesus has achieved. 
And that doesn't take away the anxiety that we, we feel in this life. But gee, that makes a massive difference if you put your trust in Jesus. And so let's finish with the third one. God's way is the best way to cope with our anxiety. I don't know how you cope with anxiety. Uh, There's lots of ways to cope with anxiety and some of them are particularly destructive. Um, Some people, I mean, there's a whole lot of things, isn't it? You, You can just drink more, you can take drugs, you look at pornography... You can do the never-ending scrolling of social media. There's a whole lot of destructive ways you can deal with anxiety. But how does all of what we've said help us deal and cope with anxiety now that's healthy, that's life-giving, that's honouring to God, that actually works and is better? Well, here's a few things to say. First one I want to say is God cares deeply about your anxiety Uh, if you trust in Jesus just know in your heart and mind you are deeply loved by God he knows you you are secure in him he is your heavenly father treating you tenderly as you go as you go through life in this fragile body and mind struggling with anxiety and I know for some people, that is a crippling journey of anxiety. Uh, some of us really need to understand that. Uh, for some people, even just turning up tonight to church is a massive act of trust in their Heavenly Father because it's so hard. And I want you to hear tonight, God cares deeply for you. Jesus has got you. There won't be anyone who has more empathy than Jesus. The one who came into our fractured, anxious, filled world and brought calm. Who said, do not worry, I've got it. I've got you. Take comfort from Jesus. Uh, 1 Peter 5, this this verse I think is really helpful. It says, cast all your anxiety on him, on God, because he cares for you. That's the Heavenly Father verse, isn't it? When you are struggling, when you are deep in despair, when you are anxious, when you don't know who to turn to, God cares for you. God knows and God cares. Uh, that passage we are talking about before about the world groaning, it's not, it's not groaning for the sake of groaning. It's not groaning without purpose. That comes from Romans chapter 8. And the same, in the same passage... It talks about our groanings, our anxieties push us to reflect on the new creation to come where there will be no more anxiety. So Romans 8 says, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Uh, God will use your anxiety to move you to think on things above, things to come. Uh, Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God will shape you to be more and more like Jesus as you look to heaven that final day. In fact, that chapter finishes with, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And and, and it it categorises a whole lot of things. Uh, And one of those things, there's, there's so many things not mentioned there, 
but it includes anxiety. It includes every groaning, every difficulty, including anxiety. It will not separate you from the love of God. So know God's deep care, fatherly care of you. Uh, But secondly, I want to say tonight, uh, here's something that I was worried. I was worried, I I want you to hear the love and heavenly word of compassion from our Heavenly Father. Secondly, though, I want you to hear the challenge. What is it that you worry about? Uh, Because we're going to go through this life with lots of worries. It's not no worry, it's what are you worried about? It's Well, Jesus brings new anxieties, you could say. Uh, The word anxiety in the Bible is used both negatively... Uh, in that sense of suffering and, and crippling kind, but also positively, as in concern. And, and Matthew chapter 6, I think, is, is hitting on that mark. It's saying to us, focus yourself, concern yourself for God, for righteousness, for the kingdom. Have your anxiety there. Uh, don't worry about the things of this life. God has got you. Don't chase after what you'll wear and where you'll live and, and what all those things, God, God will sort it out. He'll give you what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first righteousness. Set yourself there. Don't go chasing after all those other things. That's what people do who don't know God. Don't have those anxieties. Have this anxiety chasing the kingdom, chasing righteousness. In fact, did you notice, uh, look with me now, in chapter 6 of of Matthew, verse 22, there's that illustration of the eye of the body. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Uh, But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, what's Jesus saying Uh, You need to get your eyesight right. Your eyes are the key to see things the way they truly are. The kingdom is what's important. Righteousness is what's important. And that's what Jesus was doing, wasn't he? He was bringing to our attention, look, there is a heaven, there is a hell. Uh, Sin matters. I am compassionate. The cross is what's important. Focus yourself there. Have eyes for those things and everything else will sort itself out. But you've got to start with your eye to see the big things. Uh, And it's so easy not to, isn't it? It's so easy to be distracted. Uh, A friend uh, gave me this book this week, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Toot. I've changed it slightly. Uh, A guy by the name of Mark Manson. Not a Christian... But he says some really interesting things about anxiety. Uh, It it feels in some... I haven't read the whole book, but it feels in some senses a little bit like Buddhism. He's saying, just care less about things. You know, there's so many things to care for. Uh, Just pull back. Who cares? Now, I don't want to go along with that. I don't think that's what the Bible's saying. But he does say something helpful. He says, what you do care about... Make sure it's super important. Uh, Make sure it's big. Make sure it's significant. 
And how do you work that out? Well, it starts by thinking about your death. That's really confronting. That's, I think, the last chapter of the book. And I'll give you a quote uh, from his book. And it's a little bit tricky to find quotes in his book because there's only about two pages where there's no swearing. Uh, But I found one of those pages. uh, And he says this. He says, Death is the only thing we will know with any certainty. The only way to be comfortable with death is to understand and see yourself as something bigger than yourself. To choose values that stretch beyond serving yourself. That are simple and immediate and controllable and tolerant of the chaotic world around you. This is the basic root of all happiness. See, he gets so close to Jesus but doesn't hit Jesus. But he gets the idea that Make sure it's big. You know, one day you were going to die. What have you left behind? Bigger question that he doesn't ask. Where are you heading? What's happening for the future? That's what will matter into eternity. Focus yourself in on that. Well, that's the kingdom, isn't it? That's righteousness. Jesus says, I'll look after everything else. Focus yourself there. It's so easy not to though, isn't it? I was thinking about what I'm anxious about this year. Uh, lots of things. Uh, one thing that I'm embarrassingly anxious about this year is we're doing a kitchen reno at home. Um, and it is embarrassing because, uh, well, in one sense, there's lots of things to be anxious about a kitchen reno because they're, they're expensive. I'm anxious whether I'm going to be able to afford it. There are, there's a thousand different choices to make. Uh, there's a thousand, feels like a thousand different things that could go wrong. But it is just a kitchen. I was in um, a showroom this week, and um, showrooms are really dangerous, aren't they? You go to showrooms, and all of a sudden, what you thought you needed is not what you, you you need so much more, don't you? And all of a sudden, it all becomes they they upsell you. And there's this point in the conversation when the lady says to me, "Now you really want to think about this because this is really important." That's what she said to me, and I'm thinking to myself. Is it really that important? In eternity, will this kitchen matter? In two years' time, I guarantee you, it will be out of date. In 50 years' time, it almost certainly won't exist. But isn't it interesting how we get caught up? Suddenly, the little things become the big thing. And I've lost focus of the kingdom. I've lost focus on eternity. And is it any wonder... I am anxious. I've got to recalibrate, haven't I? I've got to rethink. Uh, It's so helpful what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. There's more here. Let me give it to you briefly before we finish. Uh, As you get your eye right, as you focus on the kingdom, you won't need to worry about what other people think of you. Isn't that a massive part of being anxious? Caring more about what other people think of you than what God thinks of you. Uh, Jesus criticises the, the religious people, the, the Pharisees. That he calls them hypocrites because they are so concerned what other people think of them and they haven't thought what God thinks of them. And if you're a follower of Jesus, God loves you, God cares for you, God has, a, God, God has it all worked out for you. Who cares what other people think? Focus yourself on him. Very, very helpful, isn't it? 
it doesn't take all the anxiety away, but gee, it puts massive wounds on that anxiety of what other people think of me. It's really not that important. Uh, We've talked about the fear of death. Jesus has conquered death. Uh, We have a fear of the future. Well, your future is massively good. It is, it is completely certain, it is, it is a brilliant future that God has planned for you if you trust in Jesus. But lastly, before we pray, I reckon it all helps us just to be really honest about anxiety. So you think about suffering from anxiety and suffering because uh, I sin. It actually helps me not to pretend or sweep anxiety under the carpet, to ask some questions, to get help, uh, to, to draw on God's good gifts of other people or therapy, medication, whatever it is, to actually avoid the quick fixes, the destruction, the paths of destruction. Uh, it it tell, says to me, I don't need to control everything. I can sit with God, even when it's really, really difficult. Uh, and and it t- says to me, I really need to be honest with how I'm thinking on anxiety. It is so much a better way. Let me pray.